0: My name's Joshua, if you're new here, uh, welcome, welcome to the Ruby, I'm glad you guys are here, Um, and just so you know, uh, if you come back in a week or two, and this place is like packed to the back, don't be surprised, nothing weird happened, spring break just ended, Um, so I I always tell people that about half of us are college students, and I feel like this seems right, we'll we'll have to see what the head count is today, but that feels right, Um, we're slowly turning into a young adult's uh, church, but anyway... Glad you guys are here. Um, I've got sort of a, more of like a family conversation today um, instead of like a sermon. So I, I was going over it this morning and my tone was so like stern, but like not upset, but just like stern and monotone. And I recognized that. And that may not change. I was like, I don't really know what I would do about it because I'm really following my notes this morning. So um, if I sound stern, I'm not. I just sound that way. All right. I love you. I'm so glad to be talking about this. It's a very positive conversation, but anyway, you'll see. (laughs) Um, And also after I get done talking, we're going to do a little circle up thing. And then we're actually, we're not going to have a second set of worship. We're going to go straight to the porch and do fuel bag Sunday. And so if you're new here, this will feel a little unique, but once a month we assemble fuel bags, uh, which are really just like, Meal bags for 86 students at Aiken Elementary. Aiken Elementary is right here in our backyard, and uh, I think we're assembling like three or four weeks' worth of, of food. So um, when they go home on the weekends, they they go home with like three or four meals that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have had. And Muriel Wasby, our kids pastor who volunteers full time at Aiken. Um, just found that need at Aiken and we found a way to, to partner. So that's kind of our thing. We love serving Aiken. And so um, when I dismissed us to go to the porch, I'm going to give you all these little instructions on how to make a fuel bag. Um, I would just encourage you to stick around. Don't, don't, pass, don't pass up on that. It'll be easy because you're going to go outside and you could just walk toward the parking lot and uh, respect if you do. Honestly, I get it. But um, hang around, uh, make, make a fuel bag or three, help us out. All right, I really do. I wanna jump right into the conversation. I don't have like a funny story or a like, hey, have you ever, you know, can you relate to, uh? so we're gonna to get to it, all right? All right, if you're taking notes, today's conversation, um, I wanna talk about being a culture of contributors, not consumers. So this is just like a family talk about kind of what I want us to be as we, it's not officially spring yet, but I was really feeling spring on this presentation. <laughs> Super green. I, almost, I kid you not, this truly happened. I was gonna put a yellow flower in the corner and then I Googled when does spring start and it doesn't start till next week. And that stopped me from putting a spring flower. I was like, you can't do that until it's actually spring. I don't know why, but that was a real thing that happened on Monday. Anyway, all right, let's get to it. Culture of contributors, not consumers. So I just wanna talk about what it looks like to, to be in this space and to raise your hand and go, I'm gonna to choose to be a contributor before I choose to be a consumer. We're just gonna break that down. It's very simple stuff. I'm not super smart, so this may be pretty obvious to all of you the whole time. Bear with me, maybe I'm just helping myself out, all right? Um, All right, so I wanna break this down, and I wanna start with um, just defining culture for us. Um, I'm gonna use my own terms, but first I'll give you Webster's terms, um, and then I'll give you my own terms that probably won't even match up. So uh, here's the Webster definition. What is culture? Culture, the customary beliefs, social forms, material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. Also, the characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or a time. As a feeler, I tend to think culture is something you feel more than anything else. Like it's something that you just feel whether you know it or not. Um, There are things that you'll see, you'll hear, you'll smell. But overall, you'll just leave going, you, you felt something. And then you have to find a way to articulate what it is you felt, because you felt the culture of that place. When a place makes you feel a certain way, included, not included, like you're welcome, like you're a stranger, like you're experiencing, in my opinion, the consequences of the culture. For example, for the few of you that have ever went golfing, there was a season in my life that I tried to be good at golf. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to like a nice, nicer golf course, like, I usually go to the ones that cost $10 for nine holes, which if you don't know, that's extremely cheap. It's not gonna be a great course. Probably a lot of par threes, which is what I need. You can putt your way to the flag. Anyway, um, but at nicer golf courses that are more expensive, um, it's not super chill. It seems chill because it's sunny and there's a lot of green, a lot of open, just open land. But if you ever do anything wrong and someone that knows like the code of conduct sees you, There's plenty of shade thrown. Like there's like dress codes at some golf courses. And if you're not dressed, I see you head nodding real strong back there. Yeah, it's real. It gets icy quick. Um, And if you're not dressed right, you get serious looks. If you put your clubs on the wrong part of the course, which you're not supposed to do because it can mess up the the grass, uh, you'll get in trouble. If you take too long, you'll get glares. And it's hard to explain, but nothing can ruin a sunny and 70 day like being on a golf course you figure out you don't belong on. It's pretty like uppity and like, okay, hey, my, let me leave. It's awful. Uh, anyway, um, respect to golfers and those golf courses. I went too hard on them just then. It's fine. But anyway, in that moment, if you've ever felt that sense of, whoops, if you've ever been to a place went, I don't belong here, I can't fully explain why, but everyone here made it clear. (laughs) Like in the way I was dressed, in the way they talked versus the way I talked, the way they interacted versus the way they interacted with me, like something's off. What you've really just experienced is like, I'm not familiar with this culture. I don't fit in with this culture. And I wanna point out that every place that you ever go has a culture. And if it doesn't have a culture, uh, you feel that too if it feels like random, if you've ever been to a restaurant that doesn't quite know why it exists yet, doesn't quite know the vibe it's trying to give off, you leave, the pl- you leave the place and you go, That I don't know, that was just weird. That was random. I didn't get it. The decorations versus what the waiters and waitresses were wearing, the way they talked, their menu, like all of it just did not make sense. They probably didn't have a good grasp on the culture they were trying to give off. Does that make sense? Um, it probably does make sense to you a long time ago. So every country... Every city or town, every coffee shop, every bar, every restaurant, every church has a culture. And that culture will attract some and it will push away others. And so today I wanna briefly talk about an aspect of the culture here that I wanna see our family grow into. And that is being a culture of contributors, not consumers. So my goal over the long haul is that this family grows into a family that the majority of its members see themselves with joy in their hearts as people ready to give, ready to contribute to this body of believers rather than to come and partake of a good, uh, to consume a service. Does that make sense? All right. So we're going to break this down. Um, I could probably do this in three minutes and you'd get it, but we're going to expound it a little bit to really uh, drive it home. So first I want to talk about a culture of consumerism. Culture of consumerism. All right. Look, this is not going to be a very entertaining teaching, but give me a little head nod or something. Give me some engagement because this is tough for me. I'm not trying to be funny at all today. So here we go. Been following an account on Instagram. It's called Dad Jokes. (laughs) I'm going to be coming with more jokes. I'll just tell you that much. All right, back to it. Culture of consumerism, consumerism defined. Here's the definition. The preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. So whether you know this or not, We live and breathe in a culture of consumerism, okay? Everything is tailor-made for you. Advertising is more individualized today than it's ever been, right? Like there's a good chance that if you're on social media, you follow a fitness or fashion blogger that looks just like you, has a home just like you, but then randomly every day will be like, this product changed my life, swipe up or click the link. They're getting paid six figures to look just like you and then just to flash that little tube of toothpaste that's like organic and edible and good for your teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff. And so inevitably, they're always trying to sell you something Streaming services of all kinds to fit your exact preferences, Google and Yelp reviews to help you know if it will meet your needs and your wants. Two-day prime guarantees, you don't you have you don't even have to wait to get exactly what you want. Even our most popular street in Nashville, I would suggest, is 12 South. Or at least that's the stereotypical famous place if you live here. And what is 12 South if it's not just a really pretty outdoor mall? I mean, it's all it is, right? There's just restaurants and coffee shops and every place on 12 South exists only if you give them their money. Now shout out 12th South and local business, give them your money. I think that's really cool, but I'm wanting you to see that even like when my wife and I are like, what should we do today? Let's go on a walk on 12 South. That inevitably leads to, leads to shopping and spending money we don't have, and it rocks. I love it, it's awesome. Um, but my point is we live in a world where so much of our existence, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, I'm just pointing something out. We live in a world where so much of our existence revolves around acquiring not just what we need, but what we want and what we desire. So I'm gonna do a little mental exercise for us. Over time, if your brain gets used to a pattern of consistently looking for and acquiring what you desire, what ways of thinking might be forgotten? What habits might slowly erode and vanish? I would suggest this might have an impact on the habit or the instinct of considering other people, of it being normal to consider what someone else might need around you. Just the simple thought is someone around me in need of encouragement? Is someone around me in need of a word? Is someone around me in need of a resource? Just the thought process of it. Even just the habit of noticing others, instead of seeing them as side characters in a movie in which you're the main character. And please hear me, if you're the person that's always the main character around every friend you have, that's not real. That's us being incorrect about our role in society but I'm not saying this to like be hard on us. This may be because you're sinful and selfish, that may be true, but I'm actually pointing out that you've been trained, that our minds are being trained to live into this pattern of being the main character, of giving what we want or need by the bigger, broader culture of just modern day technology. Like the neuroplasticity of your mind, the grooves being built into your thought process whether you're selfish or not, are training you to think about yourself all of the time. And again, I'm not saying this to condemn it, I'm just saying that's, that's actually literally happening because it keeps you kind of on the IV drip of purchasing, buying, that helps the, the world go around. All right, so continuing with the mental exercise, how might these patterns end up impacting how a church feels, that culture word. You'll see things, you'll hear things, but overall, how will a church feel? So let's do the math. What happens when several individuals with this way of thinking, what do I need, what do I want, gather in a church every Sunday for their weekly dose of gospel? What does that church feel like? When a group of people, all thirsty for something deeper and more meaningful, but they're surrounded by people, including themselves, thinking, what do I need, what do I want? Everyone wanting something from someone else, what happens when every individual is marked by what do I need and what do I want? I remember seeing an IG post, I follow a lot of rap, love hip hop, and a rapper that I really respect, he said something like, if you don't give me what I want, like if if I call you and you don't answer the phone, you're out of my life, it's over with. Like, I answer the phone for my people, and if you don't answer for me, it's over. It's basically like, if I don't get what I want from you, I'm gone. It's really harsh. And I don't know if you've seen, like, random posts like that, like, hey, if your friends are draining you of energy, or, like, and it's all about, like, everyone's doing you wrong. It's kind of hilarious, because you're like, wait, is everyone thinking this way? Does everyone think that they have friends doing them wrong? That cannot be right, (laughs) right? Like, the math doesn't shake out. And I know that we probably wouldn't say... My guess is a lot of us don't actively think that way. But in terms of Sundays, I think subliminally, subversively, maybe we can have that kind of a vibe. Like maybe you come to this space, and the reason you stayed here was because when you asked yourself some version of, was that worth my time? And if you decided, yes, it was, you came back, right? Like, how did that go? How did I feel about worship? How did I feel about the teaching? that I like the vibe, the high ceiling, the white walls, the shades that lift up and go down, the porch. It's a good vibe. It's springtime. So now I really want to go here because we spend so much of our time walking from the parking lot to here. You know, (laughs) like, like, what did you think? I'm not even being harsh. Again, I'm convinced that our church is actually like amazing. I'm convinced that there's a lot of like just supremely high character in this building. I love this family. And in fact, I relate. If you ever look for like, how did that go for me? I, I understand that. I'm more highlighting that the broader culture we will, that we live in every day, we spend like two hours here. The rest of our time is not here. And the broader culture that we swim in will take this self-seeking instinct we have and just dump miracle Grow on it. We'll just help that self-seeking mindset thrive and flourish. And we just need to be aware of that. And some of it will come from our sin, some of it will come with our pride, but I would say, you know that word unprecedented? has been said a lot in the past two years. <laughs> I just feel like we're in that kind of an unprecedented moment where even if we're not actively like living in selfishness, we are being trained to think about us, not just what we need, but what we desire. And I don't know about you, but I don't always desire good things. My desires don't always feed really healthy long-term strategy for my life and my like holistic healing, you know? All right, so I wanna remind us just really quick of the gospel DNA, of just what the gospel is, man. We're not even gonna spend time on these passages, but they are freaking fire. Ephesians four thirty two through five, verse two, Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, I could just cry already, if you really just let that, let that hit. Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're called to be imitators of God. But I wanna get more specific. Imitate what? This is Philippians two, verses one through eight. Strap in. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Here we go. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That is so counterculture, it's giving me a headache right now. That's crazy. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Here's the imitators of God part Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what makes Jesus so beautiful. He didn't just look out for his own interests. He looked out for our interests We see this over and over and over again in his life on earth. And then ultimately when he breaks his body, sheds his blood for our sin, that we can enter in, in perfection, in righteousness, an unfair trade at Jesus's expense. He dies, resurrects, we get his righteousness. It's a pretty good deal. Philippians 2 verse nine says, therefore God has highly exalted him. Talks about Jesus taking the throne. So Jesus gave his life, servant hearted, for the sake of us, but he understood his identity as son of God on the throne. He knew his place of belonging. In the same way, what I'm talking about today is not a call to self-hatred, but simply selfless living until we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, the one who showed us the way. Y'all, it'll be so cool to see Jesus and to feel the juxtaposition of who really was like the selfless servant. (laughs) We'll not be close on the scoreboard. was more selfless? We must take on the person of Jesus, the one who looked out for us, the one who was not too busy to walk our way. So in that, I think we're called to be a culture of contributors. So to break this down just a little bit, this can apply to a lot. Being a culture of contributors can apply to so many things. I could talk about volunteering at this church like we do so often it's how we, it's literally how we exist. If we did not have volunteers, we would not have this, or we'd have a very basic setup, like with no chairs, um, and that'd be fine. Um, I could talk about tithing and how, when you give money to Hillsboro Village, I can give you very tangible things that it goes to, um, like this building, our part-time staff and the one full-time staff we got, hello, to every item you're gonna get and, and put in bags for Aiken. Like that's your giving at work. But today I wanna specifically focus on contributing in a specific area and that is prayer and encouragement for one another. That's where I wanna call us into, prayer and encouragement for each other in this space. I got three disclaimers. First disclaimer, this does not mean there is pressure to be close friends with everyone in this building. Some of you are introverts and some of you are extroverts who have already exhausted that gift and going, are you about to ask me to like build a whole other community for myself? No, I'm not. So go ahead, and just, let's just turn that off, okay? You don't have to be best friends with everybody here. It's okay. Second disclaimer, this does not mean putting others in awkward or weird situations with your prayer preferences. Okay, don't be weird. Third, this does not mean using prayer as a means to flirt or force friendship. Hey, attractive person similar to my age, seems to have similar interests, I've really felt led to put a hand around your shoulder and pray over you. I don't know if that ever actually happens, but man, that'd be a smooth and easy way to do it. But not here. (laughs) So those are my three disclaimers, all right? Saw that joke, loved it. Uh, But it does mean that when you walk in this space, this space does not exist primarily to meet your wants and desires. I'm gonna run that back. This space does not exist primarily to meet your wants and desires. That is not why we are here. That is not in the top 100. That is not on the list at all. I hope and want that to happen. As a people pleaser and as someone who loves you, I hope that goes down. Because what a bonus if it also met your wants and desires. This place exists first and foremost to exalt the living God. This place is about God himself, that is it. He is the main character in the movie. He is the movie, okay? And secondly, this place exists for the fellowship of believers. It's about the body, the love, the care, the prayer for your brothers and sisters. And this can only be a reality when we proactively care about the other people around us. As you sit in your chair, proactively being aware of who is around you, being open to caring about them before asking them to care for you, going, how can I care for them? Now, I want you to keep in mind, when this comes the predominant culture, when we seek to pray and encourage and care for those around us. It means that when you're in a season of having nothing to give, nothing left, in need of love and support, in need of a hug and a prayer, in need of a lunch and a laugh, that you will be surrounded by people ready to give that to you. Do you see how it works? When everyone goes, I need, I need, I need, no one's there to meet the need. When everyone goes, I want to give, I want to serve, I want to encourage, I want to pray, then when you're going, I have nothing to offer. You've got a host of people going, how can we love you? How can we support you? Now, I'm not asking you to be on all the time or to be fake. I thought about parents in this season. I think about all you guys do. And I think for you guys, I'd say, I hope the non-parents have your back. I hope they're encouraging you. We have no clue what it's like and we're dumb dums if we're waiting on you to encourage us. We're ignorant. So we should look to our parents, and literally actively, guys, talking to every non-parent here, we should be seeking to love and encourage our parents. They carry a heavy load. It's no joke. I don't even know. I got a dog. She's high maintenance. <laughs> I have no clue what it's like to be a parent. But as I was preparing this point this morning, my outline was already, I felt the spirit being like, hey, think about parents, take the pressure off them and make sure to challenge the rest of the family to care for our parents, to love our parents, to randomly give them gift cards, to randomly offer for childcare or to help them pay for childcare because maybe you don't wanna do childcare like me. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Anyway, I'm not asking you to be on all the time. If you're prone to people pleasing, this is not intended to be a heavy burden of, am I doing church right? I'm not, I'm not putting a yoke of, a burden on you but I'm trying to shape the majority which will strengthen and love and support those that go, I'm just wore out, I'm just too tired, I just need a hug or I just need space, give me some elbow room. And us go, that's great, do what you need, we love you. So for this church to really live as a biblical church, I believe that it must be marked by a sense of selflessness and servant-heartedness. And if that sounds like too much, if your weeks are wearing you out too much, that sounds just like too much to ask of a church, I would suggest that church is not your problem. The church gathering or house church at best gets you three or four hours a week. And if that sounds too hard, I would ask you to do a real heart, life and calendar reflection as to why that sounds so hard. If any part of this sounds discouraging, I would encourage you to take a break to do a little imaginative exercise and picture a church full of people that notice each other, that hug each other, that pray for each other, that actively ministers to and serves one another. Picture that. Breathe that image in, because that's what we're after. And I think it will take effort and intentionality on every individual here, but the long term, this will only lead to fruition Fruition, that can't be the right word there. This will only lead to abundance, maybe. Mm. It will only lead to just like a good, rich family atmosphere. But we do need to realize that each of us individuals are a crucial part of this happening. It does start with you. Every person in this seat, with a church this small, it does start with you. You cannot get lost in the crowd here. Lord knows, some of you have tried, and you're like... Maybe this isn't the church for me. Everyone always sees me. <laughs> Cannot sit down without getting, told, getting said hi to by that dummy with the mic, you know? <laughs> but I really believe this. I really believe this is on us. And I would encourage it. Someone in the friend group has to start this mindset. Someone in, this, someone in your friend group has to leave the, the safety of your row, the safety of familiarity on each side of your shoulders and go talk to the person that's brand new. Someone has to break the friend rhythm and go, you know what? I feel led to pray for my friend and I'm going to do it today. During the first set of worship, I'm even going to break the rules. I'm going to pray for them while everyone else is singing. Whoa. You know? But it takes you. And so I was thinking, what's a good little baby step? What's a good baby step here? By the way, I'm so proud of this family. I think we're amazing. I think we're growing in maturity. Like I had no one in my mind that I was like coming at. Like you need to change. I love this family, but I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get somewhere. But collect a baby step. Is there a baby behind me? Isn't that a cute slide? (laughs) Um, All right. Baby step. This is for you every week. If you want to pull out a phone and set a simple reminder, I really encourage you to do so. Practice walking into this space with a simple question in your heart. God, is there anyone I can encourage today? Show me. Don't overthink this. This can mean, hey, love that shirt hey, how was your weekend? Hey, never met you. How'd you get here? It could go as deep as, hey, I feel the spirit lead me to pray over you, or, hey, how can I pray for you? I don't know. Keep it simple. Baby steps. But walk into this space going, Lord, I'm open to seeing people that I know and don't know and encouraging them. And again, if it starts to feel burdensome, picture a room full of people that think this way. It gets good real quick. Now, let's be patient with this. And if someone walks up to you and very awkwardly encourages you and it makes you more uncomfortable than it does encouraged, just tell them thank you. (laughs) Give them grace and you go encourage someone in a cooler way. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because look, this can get real Christian church awkward real quick, right? Like, hey, look, I'm being intentional with you. Here's awkwardness, you know? We're going to try to figure this out. But I do believe the more we try, I think practice gets so much respect with like sports and like acting but it gets, no, it gets no love with like encouraging one another and practicing vulnerability. But give practice, it's due. So practice encouraging each other. And when it is awkward and cringy and you're like, why did I say that in that way to them? They probably think I was flirting, you know? It's okay, try again, we're good. We'll be patient with each other. So there's your action step. And for now, we're gonna do a little exercise to just go ahead and practice, all right? And it's not supposed to be perfect, Are amazing, you know, but we're going to do it. So proactive prayer and encouragement. We're going to get in groups of three to four. Four is the max number. Every now and then y'all try to cheat and do groups of 10. And I know what that scheme is because it helps five of y'all not have to say anything at all. Good job. It's too many people. All right. And what I want want you to do is each individual just share one thing you want prayer for. Now listen, as always, you don't have to circle up. You literally don't. You can stay in that chair and not move a muscle and we respect it. There's no pressure. Or if you want to circle up, you don't want to share, just say pass and it's on the rest of the group to go. Sounds good, okay? If you're willing, we're going to circle up in groups of three to four. Everyone share just one thing you want prayer for and at least one person in the group pray over the group. I just encourage you, keep it simple. Keep it succinct, like no pressure, but just pray, like ask the Lord, listen for the spirit. Like God, how can I pray? for the people in my group. And if all of you wanna pray, great. If one of you wants to pray, great, okay? So literally, we're gonna circle up, pray for each other. Now, the hope here is that you understand, even as you circle up, think to yourself, we do not have to circle up post-sermon to do what we're doing right now. That's actually the goal. I don't always want praying for each other to be such a formality. When you circle up and pray, maybe picture yourself instead in a row, during worship, doing the same thing with one of your brothers or sisters. Know that this exercise is to help you see the freedom of, hey, do you need prayer? Hey, can I pray over you right now? Deal. That's on the porch. That's during worship. That's before, after, anytime. Does that make sense? Okay. So we have communion, and I want to get that passed out first. It's in every other row. And so if you don't mind, we're going to throw a communion slide up to remind us what communion's all about. So take one, pass it down. I call these rip and sips. It means at the top, There's a layer that comes off. There's like styrofoam bread in there. Mm. I'm sure it's unleavened, so that's (laughs) biblical. There's a second rip. It's got grape juice. It represents the blood of Jesus. There's the slide explaining it. Keep it on the green theme. So what I'm gonna invite you to do is circle up in groups of three to four. And after you've prayed, you can take communion together. And then in about 10 or 12 minutes... I'm going to call us back and then I'm going to give us our fuel bag instructions and we're going to just continue being the church. We're going to assemble some fuel bags and then we're going to get out of here. I'm going to be honest. I loved this. (laughs) I did. I really loved it. I could feel you guys really paying attention and you're just such a sweet little family. I'm just so thankful for y'all. So thanks for being good sports with this. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Circle up. Share. What's one thing you want prayer for? At least one person pray over the group. Take communion. I'll wrap us up.